0: This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson.
1: Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to a brand new episode, our first episode of WNBA season 2021 of your ESPNW Around the Rim podcast. My name is LaChina Robinson. I'm your host, joined as always by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster Brasby. And season 25 is here. That one's for the haters, everyone that said the WNBA wouldn't last, and how long is this league going to be around, and are women really playing basketball? Well, yeah, been there, done that, and the league is stronger than ever. So you want to get on board. You want to subscribe to this podcast. You want to be a part of this magical season because we have 144, maybe a few less this year, of the best the best women's basketball players in the world. And Tariqa and I will be bringing you all the action, some special guests, um, and lots to talk about during this 25th season of the WNBA. And today's show, we will kind of recap the first weekend of WNBA coverage, our opening weekend with our ESPN analyst, Andrea Carter. The New York Liberty are off to a 3-0 start. So we bring in the one and only Erika Ayala, to give us the scoop on what's going on with Sabrina Yonescu, who messed around and, uh, yeah, got a triple-double already. Only six games into her WNBA career. And then we will also have a special guest in Alexis Robinson, someone who has been a key contributor to the growth of the game for the WNBA, in particular what she's done with the league pass to make sure that people can watch games. You know what I'm saying, Tarika? Because this season's about to be fire.
2: The season is lit already, like already. So if you have not had an opportunity to catch it, the league pass is important because you get to play all the games back.
1: Okay. I mean, you need to be able to go back and watch the wall to wall action because this weekend was very interesting. Um, as we start season number 25, but we'll recap all that with Andrea. Um, We do want to point out a couple of things. Um, You can join us in the hashtag WNBA Twitter conversation. So if you have a Twitter account and you want to talk about the WNBA, use the hashtag WNBA Twitter shout out to Twitter folks who are doing an amazing job in promoting the league. We already mentioned the league pass Um, lots of announcements this year that we'll get into, our future episodes like the commissioner cup But player movement, definitely the headline. Tina Charles in D.C., Candace Parker in Chicago, Chelsea Gray in Vegas welcoming players back that set out last year. There's so much to cover, and we will do that um, as this season rolls on. Sending a special shout out, though, to number one, Tamika Catchings, who was inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame this past weekend. Catch, we love you. We are so proud of you. You embody tenacity and humility like no one I have ever met in my entire life. Um, You are the GOAT, the best two-way player to ever play in the WNBA. And um, we are so happy for you. Congratulations also to Kim Mulkey and Barbara Stevens, who both went in from the women's side. And Tarika, they announced the 2021 Hall of Fame, right? Who we got? They did. We
2: are going to see enshrined this year Yolanda Griffith. I mean, hello, Sacramento Monarch legend took them to a championship in 2005. She's also a seven-time WNBA All-Star and a two-time Olympic gold medalist. We're going to see the Aussie great Lauren Jackson. How awesome is that? And you know, we're still on a high that she joined our Twitter space like a month ago, so we really don't know how to act now that we can say we had a Hall of Famer on our Twitter space. But Lauren Jackson's going in. She's a seven-time WNBA All-Star, three-time WNBA MVP, championships with the Seattle Storm in 2004 and 2010. I mean, what hasn't Lauren Jackson done? Amazing. And also, we're going to see our good friend of the podcast, Val Ackerman, go in. She's one of the first, uh, she was the first WNBA president, commissioner of the Big East, she's just a trailblazer as an executive, as a person, a former player. Um, so Val is absolutely deserving of this honor, and we're excited to see all three of them get this opportunity to to be recognized and honored as legends of our game.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a special time when you look at you know the women that we're starting to see go into the Hall of Fame, the contributors to our game, the people that have been um, a backbone you know, for our sport and have really built it to what it is. And we also want to say a special, special shout out to our own friend at ESPN, who will be recognized as part of the 2021 class. And that is none other than the Carol Stiff. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've talked about her on several times in our podcast and just how she has been a trailblazer in the coverage of not just WNBA and women's basketball, but of women's sports in general. Carol Stiff will be the recipient of the John W. Bunn Lifetime Achievement Award, and she will be honored at the Hall of Fame weekend, which is scheduled to be capped with the enshrinement ceremony on September 11th. So congratulations to all of our friends of Around the Rim Podcast. Also, congrats to Simone Augustus. Um, Hopefully, you have listened to our one-on-one, our exclusive one-on-one with Simone. If not, check it out. Um, The future Hall of Famer announced that she is retiring from basketball after three Final Fours at LSU, after four WNBA championships with the Minnesota Lynx, after three Olympic gold medals. She's done it all. And now she is going to be an assistant coach with the L.A. Sparks, moving over a seat. So congrats to Simone. And as one of the best storytellers and one of the most interesting minds to listen to, you will want to go back and tap into that Around the Rim podcast episode with Augustus. Um, I think that's it. Shout out to Tina Charles. She scored her 6,000 career point, moving up uh, the scoring list. She is still looking for that championship in Washington. That's one of the storylines this year. Um, But yeah, lots to get into. And first up with us is uh, a new face to our ESPN WNBA coverage, but not a new face to ESPN and not one to the women's basketball world. We are excited to recap the season so far with the one and
3: only ESPN analyst, Andrea Carter. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me. I can't believe I'm covering this league and I love what you said about the energy of the NCAA tournament just feeding right into this WNBA season. It has been so much fun right from the jump.
1: Well, that's what's so awesome for us to hear from you today because you were a part of ncaa coverage as an analyst and now you're with us on WNBA. and i just feel like those of us that get to cover women's basketball year round like we get the best of all worlds right we get to watch these players uh as they get through their college years and then into the league and then into their all-star they hope or championship whatever it is they do at the next level it's really awesome to see their careers go full circle so with that being said, um, if you have been asleep somewhere or in a hole, it is the 25th season of the WNBA, and everyone is super, super excited to talk about this league, its resilience, all the history that has been made over time. I know, Andrea, when you and Monica were in the studio, you guys were having conversations you know about this 25th season and you've heard so many things what excites you most or what was one of your takeaways about this 25th special year um, after covering opening weekend
3: oh gosh you know I just think that the the way that the players came out and even some of the teams that are still missing their key pieces came out and just had so much energy and fight and toughness. I absolutely love seeing Sabrina's comeback. I love seeing Natasha Cloud's comeback. And I say come back because they didn't play very much last season or didn't play at all last season. And so it's been really fun to watch the pieces start to fit together. You know, I've covered NCAA and that's such a wide, you know, there's so many teams and there's so many players, but for the WNBA, it's like an exclusive club. And so when someone misses last season and comes back, their impact of such a small group and such an exclusive club is so fun to watch and to see. And then all the movement, right? So Candace playing with the sky and uh, Chelsea gray playing with the aces. It's such an exclusive club that every little detail has an effect on the game, on the team. And just seeing that from the very beginning, it's been a lot of fun and the games have been good. We've had last second shots, last second threes from Sabrina Unescu who people call the baby goat from Diana Taurasi who people call the goat. And it's just top to bottom, from the veterans, to the rookies, to the people that have been on a team for eight years, to the people who are their first year with a team, everybody's coming to play.
1: Yeah, it's been a lot of excitement and, and great play. But to your point, you know, I think opening weekend has 100% been defined by what the new configuration of these teams looks like, right? Whether you are a Vegas fan and you're wondering, can Liz Cambage squeeze back into this lineup with an MVP aged Wilson and how does Chelsea Gray fit? Um, you know, John Jones and DeWanna Bonner are off to a great start, Connecticut's 3 and 0 without Alyssa Thomas, um, you know, those two players finding their chemistry. But it's also about a Washington team that is without Elena Deladon, that is without Myesha Hines-Allen, that is without Alicia Clark, and finds themselves 0-2 to start the year. Um, So it's definitely what teams have, what they don't. The new pieces, Candace Parker looked fantastic in her first game with the Chicago Sky, um, did not play in Atlanta due to an ankle injury. But I I have a feeling – that this will continue to be a storyline and we'll talk about some of those teams as we go through. So let's look back um, at the standings. Maybe surprising to some. I know definitely, for me, well, I guess considering some of the players that are missing, I, I could have seen this happening. But Connecticut Sun is 3 and0. They did most of that work without Jasmine Thomas, who is back now, but Natisha Heideman definitely stepped up. Um, New York Liberty is 3 and0. Um, Again, we'll talk a little bit more about New York Liberty later on as we have Liberty expert Erica Ayala um, joining us to talk a little bit more about Sabrina, what's happening in Brooklyn. Uh, Chicago Sky is 2-0, but Andrea, maybe in a different way than we expected. Um, Kalia Copper has put her name on the way too early MVP list and has been just Amazing for James Wade's group, a group that's more focused on the defensive end. What did you see from Chicago in the early going that stood out to you?
3: I think that it's been really impressive with Kalia Copper because, you know, last season was sort of her breakout season, especially when Diamond wasn't able to play in the Wubble and when she left the Wubble. And so then I heard people talking about how maybe she would be sixth man of the year, maybe she would come off the bench and how would she adjust to that new role? And she's like, no. Absolutely not. I'm here and I'm ready to go. And I love that just her play, their play, their length on the defensive end. When you've got Kalia Copper and you've got Diamond to Shields and Candace in the first game, I thought had a really big defensive impact as well. Um, And then in the second game, the grit and the toughness and the ability to get that win in an Atlanta environment because I was there where that whole crowd was fueling Atlanta for that comeback, right? They played knock If You Buck." Chicago had to hold it down and get the win. And I think that they look together. They look like they're on the same page. And I really liked the point that you made in the game when, when Candace was playing that that is a sort of a pressure release for Courtney Vandersloot And she has a little bit more freedom with Candace on the floor. And so I think just the way that the pieces fit together for Chicago and the way that Kalia Copper has continued to step up and continue to rise, they are definitely a strong team from the start.
1: Yeah, shout out to the Atlanta Dream crowd because you and I were both in the building and Renee has got that thing. I mean, from my chicken tenders to knuck if you buck, like ATL is back and in full effect at the Gateway Center Arena. That's going to be a great place to watch games. But the Dreamer down 23 points and, and fought back, um, but absolutely felt those moments when Kalia Copper wasn't on the floor. When you look at her numbers to start the season, what, 23 points against a, a, at Atlanta, um, 19 points and eight rebounds um, against Washington. And these are our two road games. So When we thought we were going to come in and talk about Candace and Diamond and Courtney Vandersloo, shoot, even Azrae Stevens, who is still out but is going to be a welcome part back to the fold. Like there's so many, Allie Quigley, we're talking about Kalia Copper. And make no mistake, she's not a player that's going to blow you away with just the most fancy jump shot or the skilled move she is an athlete that has added skill to what she could do on the court i'm just in awe of her effort bottom line like she is going to bust it down the court she'll be in every possession she'll be in every play um, so it's really cool to see her getting some love early the season okay moving on to the dallas wings who have only played one game but it was against the la sparks at la and they won i thought vicky johnson's young group looked good Um, i thought i saw you mention something about the transition game of dallas Did, did
3: anything stand out to you with them in that win they are so fast the dallas wings are the fastest team in the wnba in my opinion i don't think a team is faster than them, right? You have Enrique Agumawali. you have Alicia Gray, you've got Mariah Jefferson, who's back. The speed that they play with and get up and down the court, I thought it was fantastic. And they didn't run out of gas either. They had that speed the entire game. What I really liked too was their post players, you know, Charlie Collier also has speed and length and mobility. Isabel Harrison has speed and length and mobility. And so I thought that the pace that they played with now – LA didn't do anything really to slow them down. So I think the question for the Dallas Wings are when a team is able to slow them down, how does that speed transition to the half court? Because you know sometimes when you start playing too fast in the half court game, it can lead to turnovers, it can lead to just sloppy play or people running into each other. So I'm interested to see when the game is slowed down, if you can slow them down, what it looks like, but what I think it could look like is a controlled speed and changing speeds from all those players in the half court dribble drives and spacing their quickness, especially with the ball in their hands from those guards. If they can control that speed, when a team does put them in the half court game and get on the hips of defenders and attack and Charlie Collier's making cuts and getting the ball. And I I just think that the Dallas wings could really put something nice together with the speed and the tempo that they play with.
1: Yeah, I mean, their youth is an advantage, you know, I, and I think we're going to see that some throughout the season in the WNBA where, yes, you want veterans on your team, but as we saw last season with even the Washington Mystics and the Dallas Wings being those two teams that were vying for that eighth playoff spot, their youth was an advantage. You know, the schedule last year was grueling. They were playing every other day and some of these young cats were like, bring it on, like we got the legs. We're, you know what I mean? Like we're out here to run, but Alicia Gray, Quietly, I thought she had a was her sophomore season, second season in the WNBA was a a rather quiet one for her after being league rookie of the year. But she's not getting um, I don't think the respect that that she's due with how she's played the last couple of years playing at a high level in the bubble was was hard for anyone. And I thought she did that. And I know she's battled some injuries over time, but um, with her and Arike and hopefully them getting what they need from their their young interior Um, This could be a a really fun team to watch. All right, moving on to Seattle Storm. Um, The Storm had to play Vegas twice, twice in their first two games. I don't know that any coach in this league wanted the schedule that they had coming out of the gates because – you know, people are still moving pieces around and their roster spots are still in flux. And so for these two teams that we expect to buy for a championship to have to play this early is kind of crazy. Um, Seattle came out of opening weekend two and one. They did lose their second matchup to Vegas, but Jewel Lloyd looked like she is ready. To me, she's often the piece of Seattle success that um, is a little bit underrated. Um Looking at her numbers to start the season, Dre, she's averaging 21 points per game. Um, She's got, she's shooting 48% from the field, 42 from three, like just looks like she's in a zone and, and very comfortable. What did you see or what stood out to you about Jewel to start?
3: I know that her offense and her scoring is fantastic. She is a scorer, true and true. Her elevation, you know, I remember it all too well because I've seen it just firsthand right in front of me. Her ability to elevate and get her shot off and the quickness of her first step to just blow by you. It's extremely frustrating as a defender to have to guard Jewel Lloyd, Um, something I remember all too well. But, you know, I'm going to talk about her defense because her lateral movements and her defensive stance on the perimeter. I was so impressed. I didn't see very often Jewel Lloyd get blown by she's low she's in a stance she is moving side to side I think you know Dan Hughes talked to us actually about her wanting to be a complete player he mentioned something coming out uh, some article that came out that said she wasn't as much of a complete player as expected to be and I think that was like a trigger for her and she was like no I am going to be a complete player and so I think that the defensive side of the game and all her energy being focused on that side, it allows the offense to just flow freely because, you know, when you're thinking about offense and and maybe this is just me when I was a player, but when your mind is on offense, it puts pressure on the offensive end. But when you lock in on the defensive end, the offensive end can just flow and it's all just reading and reacting. And she's so good on that end of the court. that now she's putting it together on both ends of the floor. I like her shot selection, her elevation, her ability to score. um, Just an all around. She has come and really put a stamp on the start of the season for Seattle.
1: Well, and we knew coming in, Dre, and this is a point that you made as well, that uh, (laughs) Seattle's going to need some help on the defensive end without Clark and Natasha Howard. So um, they're going to need some players to definitely step up, and it's great to see Jewel become that complete player. Okay, Phoenix, two and one. I was impressed with the Mercury. Um, They had a tough schedule. They played three road games to start, and not only that, they played three road games in five days. You know, Their one loss was to a very good Connecticut Sun team in Connecticut, Connecticut Brittany Griner fouled out of that game Um, keeping in mind that you know Phoenix is a team that is still trying to get their rhythm with Kia Nurse who I thought played much better in their in their third game of that stretch against the Washington Mystics but I think it's going to take a little bit of time for all those pieces to gel Um, the biggest factor is BG and I know you and I both feel that way in terms of you know what what kind of mindset BG is in and she can dominate the game if she wants to, when she wants to. So that's Phoenix, Phoenix's story, um, the big three. And I, I thought they had a, a nice stretch in, in considering their schedule to open. Las Vegas Aces. Um, Liz Cambage is back. Uh, Chelsea Gray is back. And that would be noted in the 23 assists per game um, average by Las Vegas. Any concerns
3: early with them, Drea? I was very concerned after game one because game one against Seattle, they didn't look like they were on the same page on the offensive end or the defensive end. I know I ran a couple of clips showing Seattle's offense, but for Vegas, there was one where, and and this is telling, you know, two players, Kelsey plum and Liz Cambage, were pointing to Chelsea gray, expecting her to help and she didn't help and they scored. And so there were just little signs on the offensive end. Liz Cambage going to screen someone and then turning around because maybe that wasn't where she was supposed to go or two players cutting to the same spot, right? There were just little signs in game one on both ends of the floor where I was like, wait a minute, either, you know, someone, something is going on and not everybody is on the same page. I don't know what flipped with them for game two, but my concerns were a little pushed back at Bay because game two against Seattle All those things looked way better. The defensive energy, getting to the free throw line, offensive flow, they looked more intentional. So I do think that it's just putting the pieces together and maybe one thing that the team was confused about got settled and got communicated and explained. And I think from that second game against Seattle, they just build from there and players get in more game shape and they just play together even more. And with that defensive energy, I think they can do a lot of really good things.
1: Well, I was eager to see, you know, what Vegas would look like. They haven't had a ton of time with Chelsea Gray necessarily, but also my question was what is going to happen now that Angel McCautry is gone? The margin for error got a little bit smaller without Angel McCautry, right? Um, She is out with an ACL. We send our thoughts and prayers to Angel. But what does that mean at the guard spot? I mean, listen, D'Erika Hamby is probably going to have to play more three. Obviously, they have Raquana Williams. Kelsey Plum's going to miss some time with three on three, so there'll be some moving pieces. But Jackie Young showed us what she was capable of, right? Like the double-double points and rebounds. You know, there was a lot of questions. She had gone number one overall, you know, when she came out of of Notre Dame. I remember Sue Bird telling me that year that she would pick Jackie Young first overall over Sabrina Ionescu. Now, UNESCO did have another year of school, and Jackie decided to leave early, but um, I think people see a lot of promise in Jackie Young, and, and so much of it has to do with her versatility, her strength, how powerful she is with the game. I mean, if she can refine her offensive skill, look out, because she's got a lot of other pieces, um, and she may be the player that has to step up in McCawntree's absence. Okay, the LA Sparks, we, they only played one game, so we, we might have to take it easy on the Sparks to start, right? Like, they are obviously adjusting to life without Candace Parker and Chelsea Gray. Um, Christy Tolliver is back in the lineup. That's a new piece. Erica Wheeler is a new piece. I mean, they've got Shanae Gumake back. So um, I'm going to take it easy on the Sparks to start. But um, some of those numbers put up by the Dallas Wings in that loss, 95 point ninety-four points, uh, Dallas scored. They also shot 53% from the field. They also shot 47% from three-point range. So defense is probably going to be um, on the top of the list for Derek Fisher's group, um, but definitely a team that is, is still getting their legs up under them. All right, so moving along, Atlanta Dream stands out. Their steals, 16 steals per game. They have been active on defense, but boy, they need some help on the glass, and they have got to finish better. What did you see as you were sitting in the arena watching Atlanta from Kennedy Carter in this um, rather small but quick and explosive backcourt that is trying to wreak some defensive havoc, Drea?
3: Well, I did like their fight and their energy because a team that is small and is getting dominated on the boards and is in a big deficit could easily fold. And, you know, with me being from Atlanta, I think that's not what Atlanta does, right? We don't fold, we fight. And I think that Atlanta spirit fuels through Kennedy Carter and Courtney Williams and Tiffany Hayes and all of those players. And so I think that their athleticism, their fight, their ability to get steals on the defensive end makes them tough. Um, But on the offensive end, there's got to be a little bit more just gelling together. And for me, we have to talk about Courtney Williams though, because (laughs) 10 for 19, 24 points, her ability to score, she knocks down two out of three threes and just fuels that comeback I think between her and Kennedy Carter and Tiffany Hayes at least having those three guards their energy and their ability to score the basketball could really put some things together for Atlanta
1: yeah I mean I think just like the way we talked about Dallas this is going to have to be a team that speeds up the game that uses their youth that uses that quickness but there's got to be some discipline and I think that's the hardest thing sometimes when you want to press and this team does want to press some they do want to play high risk high reward defenses can you do it with discipline foul trouble has already been an issue for them early in this young season um you know just knowing your your positions on help like if you're going to play that kind of style um there's got to be some discipline to go along with it but um definitely a, a lot of potential in a team that's going to be exciting if nothing else to watch as the season goes on all right so rounding out the standings after the Atlanta dream bingo we got the Washington Mystics we already talked about them missing a lot of pieces I think Ariel Atkins has got to be the player that kind of steps up and, and takes control and hey bottom line is Washington missed a lot of makeable shots Leilani Mitchell and you know Teresa plays on they got open looks gotta nail them because uh, you know it was, a, it was a little dismal as far as the shooting percentage to start the year. Minnesota Lynx 0-3, but they are a team that is still without Nafisa Collier. Not sure that Cheryl Reeve is settled in on what she's doing at the point guard spot. We saw Ariel Powers filling in on to, at, at that point guard spot. Um, but, Dre, they had a lead over Seattle, a nice lead, and then they let the storm back in. What do you see happening in Minnesota, Dre?
3: I do think that the gelling piece is really important. Um, and we talked about that with multiple teams, but I think it was telling that they had a 19 point lead against Seattle. They came out of the gate strong. You know, they really just had that fourth quarter. It was almost like, I don't know where they gassed or were they just unsure of playing together in those tight situations. You know, when you haven't played with the team and you've got new pieces, you've got Ariel powers, you've got Caleb McBride, and you're kind of like who, who does step up in these situations? Who do we go to in these situations? That's the piece that's missing because Seattle, they know, all right, we're, we're getting a comeback here and we're going to get Jewel and we're going to get Sue Bird and we're going to get Brianna Stewart. And they know they have that just connection and they have that feel and that sense for each other. Like, all right, there's my teammate. There she is. That's her spot. I'm going to get her the ball right there. And especially with Sue Bird, you talked about maybe there being some, not confusion, but not decisions made from the point guard position, you need a point guard to withstand a comeback. You need a point guard that is set and knows exactly what is going on to when you haven't scored in five possessions to get the right shot. And so I think it's just those pieces coming together, playing together. And Nafisa Collier is going to be a huge addition, um, just her versatility, her ability to score, um, for the Minnesota Lynx.
1: Well, we will keep our eyes on Minnesota. The last group is the Indiana Fever. They are 0-3. The Fever have a young team, another group that I thought did some some unique things in, in terms of their roster and adding experience, like Jantel Lavender and... Um, Danielle Robinson, that'll help them because I felt like they needed some vets that can kind of get them settled in. But we'll keep an eye on Indiana as the season goes on as well. The one thing I do want to note, as we look at points per game so far in this young WNBA season, one of my takeaways, the youth movement. And I said this last year, the top five scorers right now in the league are Laney, Alicia Gray, Brianna Stewart, Kalia Copper, Sabrina Ionescu. Three out of five of those players are just really finding their stride. I I would say, I would throw Copper in there as well, though she's not a young player. Um, And Stewie, we know what she could do. But Laney, Gray, Unescu, like they're, these young players are really out for theirs. Like they respect the league, um, but they're here to win. So um, I I think that's going to be one of the funnest parts is watching kind of how these new faces um, take control of their teams. You know, keeping in mind that the CBA... And didn't allow for a bunch of vets to exist on any one roster so a team like Phoenix for example is going to be top heavy with experience but then they're going to need the Sophie Cunninghams and um, you know the of uh, uh, Smiths to come off of the bench which they did in Washington and do things so um, that's something that I'm really excited about and looking forward to and Andrea we appreciate your time with us you are so buttoned up so knowledgeable I mean we are Beyond delighted to have you on our WNBA coverage. I believe this is your second appearance on Around the Rim, but um, you'll be a regular this summer. So fans, you can follow Andrea on
3: Twitter. Tell them where they can find you, Dre. My Twitter is Andrea underscore Carter because there's actually two accounts. My old one got hacked. So Andrea underscore Carter is my Twitter and that's my Instagram. Um, And you can follow me there. I've done two. Appearances in the studio for the WNBA, two appearances on Around the Rim podcast, and 100% looking forward to more because both of these things that I've done just this week are so much fun. LaChina, love working with you, love talking to you. Thank you for having me.
1: We are so excited to follow you, Dre. You are a star, honey. I am so proud of you. Keep going. Um, shout out to Rising Media Stars. But yes, fans, stick with us. Uh, we have more WNBA coverage after this. So WNBA fans, if you have been paying attention to what's happening in the league, great. If not, we're here to get you caught up. And one of the big storylines to start is... When you go to WNBA.com, which you should fairly often to check out what's happening in the league, you know, what's going on, what's new, you know, other than listening to Around the Rim, you would see that the New York Liberty are 3-0 and um, to start the season. Connecticut Sun is 3-0, and still undefeated. New York Liberty is 3-0, and Chicago is 2-0, and the three undefeated teams to start the 2021 WNBA season. Shocker, I know, to many of us, but... Maybe not a shock to those that cover the New York Liberty. We'll find out because we have with us right now someone that we absolutely love and adore and enjoy having on Around the Room podcast who does a fantastic job in everything she covers from the WNBA to hockey to just being a dope woman of color. Please join us in welcoming Erika Ayala to the show. Welcome, Erika gracias la china okay with the pronunciation i see you <laughs> do you do, but did you get the tongue roll okay because I, I was practicing that this morning i, I was like it. okay, yes, okay gracias. let me see yes la china went to
2: mexico <laughs> la china went to mexico for a vacation and now she feel like she you know how to speak spanish
4: i saw the pictures I, I was like
1: okay i did but wait i came home and literally was saying hola to everybody i was like hola and i was like wait no no hey like i am <laughs> And I don't know if my Spanish got any better for that entire time I was there. I definitely tried to use it, but um, yeah, no promises there. Uh, I did have a nice, nice little break though. Okay, so Etika, we are excited to hear about the New York Liberty. We're going to take some steps back before we talk about Sabrina, before we talk about what this team has done so far on the season Let's take a look at the roster, right? So they added Michaela Onyanwere in the draft. They added D. Richards. Um, they added Sammy Whitcomb from Seattle along with Natasha Howard, who hasn't even touched the
4: court, correct? That is correct. We're still waiting on Natasha Howard to arrive. The New York Liberty were entering um, the, the off season with the number one pick. They again won the lottery. Um, and we're thinking, all right, that's a, another number one pick, but they traded that to get Howard and, um, but, but we haven't even seen her yet. So they're already three, and zero without their big free agency piece. But I would argue that Benajah Laney actually has really stepped up and that's another move, um, that, that the New York Liberty made and Benajah has made a huge difference for this team.
1: Yeah, it's incredible to see the level of confidence that Laney is playing with. We we talked early, We talked to Andrea Carter on this podcast as well. And, you know, we were, we were mentioning uh, Kalia Copper and how she's a way too early MVP candidate. And we've got to put Laney in that conversation as well to Rutgers products. But she's averaging 23 points per game, shooting the ball at 53 percent from the field, 57 percent from three point line. Just I mean, incredible, and she's got a complete game. She can do it all, and I I don't want her to get lost in the headlines because we are going to talk about Sabrina Ionescu in a moment because she has just been fantastic to start the season but we will not overlook Benajah Laney and what she is doing and her contribution. So she was, as you mentioned, another change to the roster, but the Liberty are also expected to get Rebecca Allen um, back in the mix and back in the flow. She is on the roster. And I think she has played now in two games. So she's got to get her feet wet, but a player that I really enjoy watching. Um, And then also uh, Liana Odom has not played. What is the latest on her Erica? Because she was someone I enjoyed watching. Are they expecting her to come back at some point this year?
4: So, Nay Odom suffered an injury. She has a, a bit of a tweak to her left Achilles, which is actually already an injury that the New York Liberty have had to adjust to as Jocelyn Willoughby had a full tear um, and is not available for the New York roster. And so, last update we got from head coach Walt Hopkins, they're trying to take it um, very careful. They want they want to make sure Nay has time to rest and they wanna try to prevent as much as possible anything like what they saw with Jocelyn. So it's really just kind of touch and go with Nay. You see her on the bench, but she is in a boot right now.
1: So as we kind of just survey the landscape here, right? Of the New York Liberty, Sabrina Ionescu limited last season. Um, because of injury only played in what three games so we didn't have a large sample size of what she could do I mean there's a a lot of youth on this team right not just in youth in terms of experience but youth in terms of like you know but Laney she was not until last season ever expected to carry a team so she doesn't have experience of being necessarily that go-to player she's stepping into a different role but I I really just love the pieces whether it's a Jasmine Jones that plays extremely hard Sammy Wickham that's coming from a championship pedigree what have you seen collectively as a team from the Liberty to start that's impressed you
4: Well, that's just it. It is a collective team. It's the sum of all the parts that has gotten the New York Liberty to where they are. And you know, I'm not gonna let you mention one part in New York City, AKA the Louisville connection without mentioning Kylie Shook. Now, some people might've slept on Kylie Shook last season, but I saw a lot of potential in her. I think she had to work out some nerves. I mean, the, uh, I know you don't use this term, but I'm going to say the wobble, uh, okay, uh, was a little (laughs) tough for a lot of people, but especially rookies, especially for a New York Liberty team that alongside Dallas was one of the youngest in the league. But Kylie Shook has made huge strides for this team and has stepped up with no Natasha Howard, with um, also Kia Stokes arriving late Kylie Shook has been absorbing those starting minutes and doing a fantastic job. If anything, Walt Hopkins is gonna have to figure out uh, once Howard does come into the lineup, how he utilizes Shook, because Yanescu and Shook and Laney have been a fantastic trio for the New York Liberty early on. Alongside Sammy Wickham, Walt Hopkins has mentioned time over time that her experience on a championship caliber team is making the difference. And yeah, like re- yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead, finish. I was just gonna say, uh, you know, but Wickham is another player like Laney, like Rebecca Allen, even like AKIA Stokes that have not been expected to carry a, a team. But again, the complete uh pieces, the sum of all of the parts make for a really nice New York Liberty team. And they're gelling very well. And there's even more to come, it or so it would appear.
1: And, you know, everyone's kind of having to adjust this season, Um, but I'm very surprised by how quickly things, and and granted, listen, it's a small sample size. They've beat Indiana twice, which, you know, expectations in Indiana aren't extremely high, at least from the outside looking in, Um, you know, and they beat a Minnesota team that is not quite yet at full strength, but I will say that uh, beating Minnesota ever because of how good they are defensively uh, or how good they've been over the years is always, you know, a tip of the hat for that. But, You lose Kia Nurse, Um, Laysia Clarendon, which we'll get to that in a moment, um, was released by the New York Liberty. So that's a change. Um, Mm -hmm. Jocelyn Willoughby, as we mentioned earlier, is not playing this year uh, due to a a torn Achilles. And then Asia Durr, um, you know, who we don't know when she will return uh, as she is still recovering from covid Um, And Megan Walker as well. So there's been a ton of changes on this roster. But the one thing I know everyone was looking forward to was Sabrina Ionescu. And we must, we (laughs) must pay our respect because not only has she already had a game winner in this young season, but she has already messed around, got a triple double against the Minnesota Lynx, 26 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists. Uh, the first WNBA triple-double in only her six games. So she recorded her first career si- triple-double faster than anyone in the history of this league. She's only the second player in WNBA history to record a 20-point triple-double. That other player was Lisa Leslie back in 2004. Mm. Okay, she's 23 years old. And um, the next youngest player to record a triple double was Deanna Tweedy Nolan, who was 25 years old. Mm. Her 12 assists in that triple double are the third most in a triple double in WNBA history. And she is just all out balling. In case you don't know Sabrina Unescu, the number one overall pick in the 2020 draft, played three games last season. This is only the ninth triple-double in WNBA history that really jumped out at me in this 25 years of the league. So this is a special and the first in New York Liberty franchise. So I have already seen the Queen of New York. People are calling her the baby goat. Like what it I mean, what what is it like right now around the Sabrina Ionescu fandom?
4: It there's so many ways you can go with this, but what I'll say is, as someone who we are able to return to the arena, the excitement of a New York Liberty basketball game. Um, and maybe I'm biased, you know, I grew up going to Madison Square Garden, but there is something special about that. And the New York Liberty fan base did their absolute best to recreate that in the Westchester County Center while they were there for two years um, in between ownership from. Dolan to now, Joe and Clara Wusai. Um, But you're seeing that even with limited capacity, people spread out. It sounds like a full arena because of what this New York Liberty team is doing and led by um, just the theatrics uh, that come with a player like Sabrina Ionescu. I think another thing that's fantastic to watch is, and you and I like trying to talk about this ahead of uh, Sabrina's draft, that she's going to be a great WNBA player. It was a matter of whether the New York Liberty was going to be able to build a solid team around a great player, because I don't know if y'all noticed, but I was asking Tina Charles some questions because Tina Charles could have been that player for New York, but it never manifested. And for whatever reason, those rosters just were never able to give Tina Charles the support. And I think you know, early on with so many injuries, Tina's kind of playing that same role with Washington, but with Sabrina and the way that Walt Hopkins has built this roster, it is coming together sooner than I expected. And in more surprising ways that I suspect, than I expected, Sabrina, you know what you're going to get out of Sabrina, but what I think goes underrated about her game. And you actually, Latryna might have mentioned this, is that she is really great at getting her teammates involved and her teammates and the coaching staff and everyone is buying into what the New York Liberty style of basketball is. And honestly, as someone who covers the game, as someone who grew up playing the game and has always been a fan of the WNBA and you know, New York is my home team, it's exciting to watch on so many levels.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is um, incredible to see a team this young really under the bright lights and big stage. I don't know if there's another franchise where fans are more deserving and more desperate of a championship mm-hmm. and of just a successful team overall. You mentioned the Tina Charles years, which did not go as expected, um, you know, and New York is, is a place where basketball is the Mecca and people understand and appreciate. I mean, I don't think Sabrina could have landed in a better spot. Um, and, but at the same time, I think people need to taper their expectations as well, Mm. um, and allow her to mature, you know, into, into the player that she wants to be because as as great as she has been to start I think people sometimes get carried away with the narrative um and you know allow her to enjoy the experience of being a young player I mean she's six games into her WNBA career so um you know y'all need to feel a little bit on the baby goat talk and the rest (laughs) of that stuff like
4: you know yeah good observations and the thing that I also absolutely love about Sabrina is that she at least she conveys that she's unaffected. She's very much insular. She focuses on her game and if anything, her injury has really made her hamper down on that. Uh, She said to us before the first game to media, actually Tariqa I believe asked a a really great question and uh, was asking how Sabrina was handling those expectations. And Sabrina said, listen, I had to let go of being focused on being who I was I need to focus on being better. And if anyone is listening and they follow kind of the Kobe Bryant philosophy, a lot of people call it the Mamba mentality. You hear Kobe Bryant, he would talk about the excitement, the excitement of coming back from an injury and revolutionizing and evolving his game. And that's kind of the the feeling that I got from what Sabrina Ionescu was saying. She's blessed to be back on the court. She's excited. And when she hit that three pointer to get the game winner, if you look at the tape, she said, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> just kept repeating it. I'm, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Like that is a player not to be trifled with. What I will also say though, is I respect and appreciate that this New York Liberty team is willing to make the proper adjustments. They got just dominated on the boards by Indiana and in the paint by Indiana in that first game, they cleaned it up for the second game, and they really focused on team defense. When they played Sylvia Fowles because Sylvia was sweet Sill, you you're not going to do too much, you know <laughs> when it comes to still in the paint, but. Kylie Shook, again, was composed, I think she played the best defense on Sylvia Fowles and she did something that unfortunately I have not seen in New York Liberty a lot. She boxed out, I know it sounds simple, but she was boxing out, (laughs) making sure to body up Sylvia. And then that's why players like Sabrina were able to get I think she had 11 rebounds in that game against Minnesota, Sammy Whitcomb coming in, getting rebounds. And that is buying in and the adjustments that they've made in only three games. And even the adjustments that they make in game are something that I don't think a lot of people are talking about because of the Sabrina hype. But if you watch this New York Liberty team, they are absorbing their sponges. I think, they're going to continue to make mistakes and they did run up against a Minnesota team. Then as you mentioned, Lachina has a lot of moving parts. They lost Natalia Chanwa, also she's dealing with an injury. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they do against, maybe like a Seattle team. Uh, we saw Seattle come back just to, uh, you know, as we're talking last night from, from a deficit. and this is the type of uh, poise that you have when you're a franchise that has a championship pedigree New York Liberty unfortunately doesn't have that and has not been in the finals um, for quite some time so that's where when they play teams that have been under that pressure and when they have those players that can really rise up and meet and match what a young Sabrina Ionescu can do but has you know 15 16 years in the league doing it that's where the test is going to come for this New York Liberty team.
1: It is going to be so fun watching the New York Liberty and Erica will be giving us all the scoop before we let you go. Obviously a shocker to many of us hearing that Laysia Clarendon um, was waived from the New York Liberty. What do you know about that situation?
4: Oh, wow. Another one of those, where do you even start? I think if we're being honest, it wasn't surprising. Uh, Lay clocked less than four minutes in the the first three games of the season. When when Legia Clarendon was signed, I had some questions on as to whether she was the right type of veteran going back to again, what we see with Rebecca Allen or even a Benajelani time in the league, but not necessarily time uh, where they were the go-to player. And then we had Bradenton, Florida, where Leija did everything that was needed and more for that team on and off the court, not just for the New York Liberty, but for the WNBA. And so in the context of all of that, in some ways, this makes sense. It's hard to say, but this does make sense. You have to make space for Natasha Howard, uh, salary cap, all of those things. And on the other hand, it's a hard one to take. And that's why there's been, including Leisure, uh Lasia themselves tweeted about it being brutal and there not being enough spaces. And then, you know, a week or so later ends up being on, on the other side of it. But that's why the conversation around expansion, um, even if it's just roster expansion, like giving play, uh, teams an extra player or two, even that would really change what the WNBA and what teams can do leading up to their run to hopefully uh, the playoffs and and a championship.
1: Yeah. I mean, Leija is a very capable player um, and obviously has been a tremendous leader in the league. So it was a, it was a tough pill to swallow and very surprising that the New York Liberty couldn't find space or a role for her on that roster. Now I haven't looked close at their cap. Um, She does have to wait 48 hours now to clear waivers to be picked up by another team. The challenge is going to be what roster has a, a vet minimum at least that they can pay her when rosters, you know, salary caps are so tight, but it it does raise a lot of questions um, in, in terms of just what what was training camp like, you know, did she play well in training camp? Um, you know, what kind of, what would, was, did her performance look like? You know, was that a factor? I don't know. Um, but hopefully we, you know, we send obviously our love to Laysia. Um it, Again, I, I just think the world of her on and off the court and um, hopefully she will find the right fit. But I, I know that you, um, you yeah, know, it's been covering the Liberty for years, you know, just some of the departures, whether it's Tina or Kia or, you know, different things that have happened over time um, have been interesting to see. So you hope that this New York Liberty, this young New York Liberty team um, can carry the load and that um, they actually find their winning ways and their stride because um, if we have to start digging up the history, um, there are some very interesting developments that have happened over the years. But if you can prove that it's made this franchise a winning franchise, which I don't think three games allows you to do that, then, um, you know, we may be having a different conversation. But long story short, the Liberty are 3-0 and 0 to start the year. Um, shout out to Shell P., one of my favorite WNBA assistant coaches. She is thebomb.com, and I'm sure she's having a great time in New York right now. And Erica, where can our fans find you? Where can they follow you this season?
4: Well, first and foremost, I just want to thank you, China, and thank you, Tarika. Y'all are amazing and are definitely just um, guiding lights for a lot of us coming up in the game, so thank you. But as far as me, you can find me, I'm most active uh, on Twitter. That's at Lindsay 8 E-L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-08. All right, you got it there.
1: Make sure you go and follow right now, Erika, on Twitter. <laughs> And thank you so much for joining us for your time. And we will be uh, keeping our our eyes on the New York Liberty as this season goes on and hopefully having you back on. That sounds great. I would love to be
3: back.
2: All right, basketball fans. So this season we are trying some new things on Around the Rim podcast, and that includes some new segments. And this particular segment, it's called How It Started, how it's going. And the point of this particular segment is to show some love and highlight some people around women's basketball who are really doing some amazing things that may have started with a small effort, but has really turned a huge impact. So our next guest is really somebody you need to know because what she's been doing for the past few years has really started a movement Um, I call her the mother of the movement. If you have seen WNBA League passes being gifted around social media, our next guest is the person you can thank for getting that off the ground. And so I'd like to introduce to you all the founder of one brand agency, Alexis Robinson. Hey, Alexis. Hi, thank you for having (laughs) me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. So just kind of tell our fans a little bit about who you are. Give us more information on one brand and what you're doing in the sports PR space.
0: Yeah. So a little bit about me born and raised in Las Vegas. I always like to put that out there. There's not that many of us. So I'm super proud of where I came from. Um, Surprisingly, we're a sports we're a big sports city. A lot of, you know, sports stars do come from here. People just don't know it. Um, um, so I grew up in a basketball family. Dad, brother, you know, uncle, cousins, all professional NBA call it collegiate players. So um, I kind of thought that was my realm, but I ended up being a tennis player, um, which I had. My uncle was actually an NBA player and um, a tennis player, along with my grandma. So I kind of just picked that up, and ended up going to school to play tennis and loved it and figured out, okay, this is going to be my life. Like sports in some capacity is going to be my life. Fun, fun fact. I majored in sports broadcasting because the first tennis tournament that my former doubles partner was playing in, Carrie champion was actually still at the tennis network. Wow. Yeah. It was before she blown up on ESPN and everything else. It was before Novak Djokovic was a number one player. And I I remember just sitting there watching her interview Novak Djokovic in Palm Springs. I think I was like 18. And I was like, that's what I can do. Like mm-hmm. if, I, if, if this tennis thing doesn't work out. So I majored in sports broadcasting, realized I was terrified of public speaking, but I love the element of it. So once I finished school, I was like, I should do, I should help bridge the gap between athletes and media and brand partners and things like that. So it started with some of the, some of the guys I went to school with in Oklahoma and some of my family members who are still, you know, coaching and playing in the league and stuff like that. So that's where I got my start. And it was really just my, like, ability to connect things and, and network and meet people and not be afraid to be like, Hey, I have this idea. I think you would go well with it. Let's, you know, make it happen. So it's, you know, it's been like that for the past. I've been on my own now for, I think, five years since I've been out of school, Um, five or six, we're coming up on six. Um, And, you know, I have two full-time employees now um, yeah, we have influencers, we have reality television, music, basketball, football, WNBA, like, um, so we kind of just like to make sure we're part of any space where we know we can accomplish something, whether it be on the marketing, branding, um, you know, digital influencing PR side. So, we kind of just went from there. We have a lot of small businesses we do social for. I've been able to do social media for a lot of companies that um, like rivals that everyone's familiar with and, and things like that. We have two big basketball tournaments in Vegas, recruiting tournaments that I'm the marketing director of. Um, you know, I'm sure everyone saw LeBron in the layup line or with his son and stuff like that's our tournament. So um. You know, it's really cool. And we've now added on this, this, this element of women's basketball and girls basketball into our tournaments. And and that's been the funnest part. So, um, yeah, we kind of just dabble in everything and we make things shake.
2: that's all super awesome here. I mean, we are in an era right now where uplifting black women and entrepreneurship is so important. So for you to be the lead and the founder of this and to really get this going means a lot. And especially your interest in your platform in and- bringing more attention to women's sports. Right. Um, It's just one of the things that I think all of us who are former athletes just kind of feel like, you know, we know what it's like to be in a position of, you know, people need to support us. People need to see us. People need to know what we're doing. Um, And you've been able to do that through many avenues. But the one thing that stood out to me, obviously, is how over the last couple of years you've been gifting out of your pocket WNBA league (laughs) passes Just to give everyone the backstory, I know that like I've been getting a lot of love and credit on social media and stuff for the league pass, but y'all, Alexis is the mother of the movement. She started it. It was her tweet that led me to say, I want to continue to do this and have some fun with it and get it as big as we can. Please tell us why this was important to you, how it started. How did you come up with the idea of wanting to do this?
0: I think it started with my little, so my little sister is a college basketball player and my mom, you know, my, my, my little sister and I are 10 years apart. So, and the rest of us are all older. So my mom has had the most time to spend into her, uh, her basketball career Mm -hmm. and their love of women's basketball. They go to the final four, you know, their season ticket holders for the aces, all of that stuff. So it was her love of basketball and then when Dierica and the Aces moved here, Dierica Hamby, and I, we were, we were just friends. And she was like, come out to a game. I went out and it, I loved it. Like, I was like, wow, you know, and my my mom, like I said, my mom's sister went to every game and I never really was like, eh, like, if I make it, I make it. But I went with, uh, as Dierica's guest one time, and I had a blast. I was like, okay, it's lit. So... When um this was obviously two years ago now because of COVID. So two years ago, I was like, whenever there's an ACES game and there are people in town, I want people to see like one women's basketball and two sports in Vegas because they're mm-hmm. up until um recently, besides our our hockey team, they were our only professional sports. So um that was like big for me. So I would always gift someone tickets and and be like, come with me to a game. And if I couldn't make it, I'd still be like, hey go to a game, just started doing that when COVID hit last year. And I was at the house and she was like, yeah, we're going, like we're having a season. I was like, this is the pivotal year for people to become a fan of the sport. Cause if it doesn't work in the wobble, who knows what will happen? So I, I just was like, you know what, I'm going to just try and get as many people to, to watch it as, as possible. So I just went on Twitter and I started gifting and um, league pass and I, you know, it wasn't anything big last, last uh, season because the bubble was so short and everything, but you know, the ACEs ended up going far and that's honestly what pushed it. It was like being friends with Liz working with the Erica I was just like, I want people to see them because I sat at their game at, not as a person who's in the sport of basketball, who comes from a basketball family. I went to her game as a friend and I was like, this is lit. If people just give it a chance, they will love it. Mm -hmm. So it started last season and then I was like, you know what, let's just keep it going. So every time I, you know, an invoice gets paid or, you know, a bonus comes in or something, I just like hop on Twitter. I'm like, who wants, who wants? And I try not to, I try not to check to see how many (laughs) I've gifted, (laughs) you know, the math will math and I'll be like, oh no. But um, it's just awesome because I love that people are people are one, giving the sport a chance and two, like developing like fan favorites and things like that. Like if you, yes. if you get yeah. league pass, you have the opportunity to see every team and then you can decide who you want to be a fan of. So that yeah. makes
2: total sense that first of all, I feel, I want everyone to know that we're recording this interview at 10 50 AM Eastern time. So I made Alexis get up at seven 30 in the morning, y'all That's- <laughs> that's love right there. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but what you've been doing and what you started is so monumental in helping to grow the game because we talk about growing the game all the time. And there are so many people who talk about it and talk about it, but you actually put action behind it. And because you were so passionate and so genuine in your gifting, it caught on and someone yeah. else retweeted, pay it forward. And someone else retweeted, pay it forward. And then Um, it just got to a point where all over Twitter, I'm seeing different organizations that are now giving away league passes, or I'm now seeing different, uh, athletes themselves who are hosting contests to give away league passes. And just the way that, you know, what you've done and what you've started has really taken off to really help put some push behind this league in its 25th year at that, I think is really special, how do you feel knowing that you've impacted the game in this way?
0: I mean, it feels good, especially just in the sense where I have my opinions on the league. I have my opinions on how things, you know, as someone who's just works in the sports and stuff like that. So I, and I have competitive opinions. I, I, I try like I was talking to Liz the other day. Um, when we were, when I was discussing how I've been doing this and I was like, I, I try and push people to the aces because I love y'all. And I want it to be like other sports where you have a favorite and mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not like, oh, let's support this league in total because we need to do it. It's like, no, pick a team that you love and rock with them. The competitive part is what drives other sports is success. So like, let's, you know, fuel that. So I always have my opinions and I feel like sometimes they're not exactly, you know, fan favorite opinions or whatever. So, but I, but I knew that at the end of the day, if I could do something that would help draw attention to something that is, it's not like I'm full, I'm fully into it. Like mm-hmm. I sat at a game and was like, this is lit. I, every chance I get, I'm sad. Cause I'm missing the home opener tonight. Like it's actually worth it. So pushing something and making others a fan of something that I truly like deep down, I'm like, it's not about we need to support this because of this, this, and this. It's really just like, you'll love it. So being able to kind of push that initiative more so than making it like a cause was really important to me so I love that you know you and others have been able to one recognize and to latch on and 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 grow it because I think I mean shoot it's not that expensive so
2: (laughs) (laughs) there were actually some people who um reached out about being gifted one and then was like you know what when I realized it was only $16.99 it's like I could just, you know, give it to somebody else. I didn't need it. And I thought it was much more, and so kind of recognizing that too is something that I think we've brought attention to because I don't think people realize like it's only seventeen bucks. Like you have done far more with seventeen dollars than you know you could oh. waste it away on. I mean, I've spent seventeen dollars at TGI Fridays. Okay, so <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean. So it, it it definitely is something that you know if people understood that it, it really isn't that much. Um, that may. But then again, you know you think about, hey, we're in a pandemic. is a lot for a lot of people. And for those people who really do want to have a a bigger option of watching all the games, but just honestly can't afford it, or it's just not in their budget right now, what you've been doing and what other people who have caught on have been doing is just simply amazing. So I wanted to take the time to say thank you for your contribution to women's basketball. It is awesome. Um, I love seeing it, how it started out of passion, how it's going, hundreds of people are doing it now. And that's amazing.
0: Like I said, every time, um, even you know, I have a I have a vision of now, especially my assistant's like, well, now that you're doing all this, you need to like take it a, a step forward because she knows like like I said, like digital marketing and mm-hmm. you know, sponsorships and all that stuff is my forte. She's like, you know what, you should make this like a full movement um, and really, you know, get in to the grime of this because it's something that you're that you love it's something that you know i have fun with and like i said it's not it's not it's not a problem for me i don't feel i don't ever feel weird about giving away my money when it's something that i know one that i love and two other people will love right. so helping you know i'm i'm happy to help i hope it grows i'm going to keep it up and I'll probably do, I'll, you know, I'm like I can't stop now. So I'll probably just be doing it forever. <laughs> Yesterday we gifted Canadians, you know, for the first, that was my first. Experience because Canada doesn't have like you know cash every yeah so yeah so yep, yep
2: yep you are I look I, I understand your your plight more than other people believe me I was like wait, wait <laughs> y'all don't have Cash App oh wait we got to out <laughs> <like>. <laughs> but yeah I I just appreciate everything that you've been doing and we will definitely continue to follow you and support you here at around the rim and thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you, and I love y'all's show. Just want to say that, and go, Aces.
2: Well, basketball fans, that
0: concludes our show for
2: today. We want to send a big thank you to Andrea Carter, Erica Ayala, and Alexis Robinson for joining us today. Um, it's been fun, and we're very happy to be back. LaChyna and I are always around, so please make sure you give us a follow on social media. You can find Lachina at LaChina Robinson. You can find me at she Knows Sports. No underscore anymore. I grew up over the last couple of months. So it's just at She Knows Sports. And you can find Around the Rim at Around the Rim Pod. Send us an email at around the rim podcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a, a, a review. Leave us your thoughts. We love to hear from you. We love to know how you guys are thinking or feeling about the season thus far. And uh, keep being awesome. We'll talk to you guys next week.